your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Launch. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. And uh, if you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That'll be much, much appreciated. And make Locked On Leafs a daily listen to you. For you, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs rolling past the Edmonton Oilers. 4-2 was the final. They win their fourth straight game. Now sit third in the league based on points percentage. And to join me to chat about the victory is my good pal, Tony Ferrari. Tony, it's been a while. Welcome back to Lockdown Leafs, pal. Yeah, it's been a bit, but I'm happy to be back. It was a fun game to watch, eh? And one of the few we've gotten to watch in the last few weeks, so it was good to see. I know. Like, I, I still can't fathom the fact that that's just the second hockey game, Maple Leafs game, that is, that we've got to – well, basically any hockey game, but that's the second Leafs game that we've got to watch since December 15th. How crazy is that? I know. It's wild. And I, I think everyone was kind of hyped up and ready for the World Juniors. I know I was, and, and as that being a prospects guy primarily, but – after that got canceled, it was uh, it was a couple of days of long baths and, and not knowing what to do with my life. <laughs> long baths and just staring at the wall, basically, yeah. is what a lot of hockey fans were doing uh, around the Christmas holidays this year. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. We'll talk about your experience and talk about the World Junior Championships getting canceled and your thoughts on, I guess, the the limited viewings you saw of the players at the tournament. Also get your thoughts on on the Leafs guys and what they were able to do uh, in the couple of games that they played. Although I think Nice only ended up getting one game, but he did score, did score yeah. a goal. So we'll, we'll we'll get your thoughts on on all that as you are, you know, a prospects guru. A um, couple other of, of news and notes we'll also get to, but let's get right to the game and let's uh, let's chat about it. Because like you said, fun game. Pretty good game. There's no McDavid, so it didn't have that pizzazz as Matthews versus McDavid. But, I mean, it still had Leon Dreisaitl, who's still a top three possibly player in the NHL, like when all said and done. So there still was a lot of firepower and star power in this game. Uh, 4-2 win for the Maple Leafs. Tony, what would you make of, the, make of the game here tonight? Uh, I thought it was a good game for the Leafs overall. I think there was a little stretch there in the – I think it was the second period, end of the first period, where it was like – well, the Leafs are taking their 10-minute nap like they usually do. And yeah. thankfully, there was no McDavid, and so they really only had to worry about that dry side of line. But, I mean, Brandon Pierlini was all over the place, it seemed, in this one. So it, it was a fun game, and I think the Leafs kind of did what they had to do. They took care of business. It wasn't the cleanest game, but as we mentioned, they haven't played very much recently. So, you know what, I'll, I'll take the 4-2 win after kind of a, a weird stretch with, no, with very little hockey. Yeah, I mean, look, they've won four in a row at the end of the day, right? They're, yeah. they're picking up the full two points. That's really all you can ask of them. But, you know, you, you talk about the one guy they need to watch out there on the ice with McDavid Gunn, that's Leon Dreisaitl. I couldn't believe how wide open he was left on that goal that he scored tonight, that second goal. Just literally nobody in sight, and he just easy tap in, goes under the pads of, of Jack Campbell. I could not believe that they didn't have a man on him. 
Yeah, one of the, the most underrated talents of a goal scorer is the ability to find space with no one around you. And yeah. you know, we watched Alexander Ovechkin do it for years. We were watching John Tavares, Lee, William Nylander, Austin Matthews do it in Toronto. And Leon Dreisel and Connor McDavid are two of the best at doing it in the league. So I'm not completely shocked he was left alone, but you always question every, everyone that's on the ice going, what, what were you not paying attention to? <laughs> um, Leafs got a couple lucky breaks tonight, though. You think of realistically both of the goals in the first period, just taking some really weird bounces. He had the first one, Nylander shoots it wide and originally was credited to Nylander. Apparently it went off of Tavares inner leg and just scraped him. And then, off of the the back of the boards and then comes in and hits uh, Mike Smith in the skate and goes in. And I saw a hilarious tweet. I'm not sure if you saw it, Um, but you you know how Miko Koskinen today made the quote about how (laughs) I can't score. Like, I mean, what do you, they got to score for me. And then I saw something saying like, Oh, Mike Smith scores goals. Unfortunately it's on his own net. And that's kind of what happened in, uh, in the couple of goals that they scored in the first period. But what's really nice to see about this team, and, and, you know, since it's only been two games, so extremely small sample size, I guess we could say, but they're starting to get some some production from their bottom six and from the defensemen. I think I saw they got five goals from their D-men in the last three games. Uh, you've got TJ Brody out there looking like Kale McCarr, apparently. And mm-hmm. Ilya Mikheyev now scoring in back-to-back games. He's got three goals in his last two um, how about the sudden production from the depth? It's nice to see. I think the back end, you, you always kind of expect a little bit more from them because they do have a lot of guys that kind of lean offensively. Uh, uh, weirdly enough, it's been TJ Brody recently, but uh, who's not one of those guys. But we're, we're starting to see Rasmus Sandin get more involved. Morgan Riley's starting to – I mean, he's been quietly productive all year, but the goals, goals have been a little slow for that entire group. But it's been nice to see from the back end. And, I mean, Ilya McKayev, the power play specialist, this is exactly what we all expected, right, on his return. Like – uh, I, I saw a couple of tweets like that was the best shot I've seen Ilya McKayev take this year or in the last couple of years. And then I watched the replay and the puck like was spinning in the air. Like it was not a nice <laughs> shot. I don't well, like. So how much it, of this is, is pure luck with McKayev? I mean, you look at even the goal the other night, uh, I think it was a second one that kind of just went right through the goaltender, right through uh, Matt Murray. And then tonight's goal, again, just kind of a fluttering puck that, that beats the goalie cleanly. Like how much of this do you think is McKayev actually like improving as an offensive threat and how much of it is, is a little bit of luck here? I think it's, it's all the regression that we've seen from all the years where he's been on breakaways and unable to score. And now he's getting a couple of lucky goals that, that he probably deserved long ago. So it's probably a little bit of luck, but at the end of the day, the guy generates chances at an unbelievable rate in terms of uh, shorthanded offensive chances, weirdly enough. And then obviously all the, the, five on five chances he gets with just having the puck in the offensive zone because that's what his line's always done so it's nice to see him score a few but it's definitely a lock a little bit what else did you uh kind of take from tonight's game uh William Nealon is still really good I-, I thought he was buzzing all night long he got two two primary assists on the game like you said he originally credited with that first goal it turns out into an assist and then on the TJ Brody goal I know they were talking so much about Brody uh, getting in uh, on the shot and then uh, the little screen in front as well. But I thought the play by William Nealander recovering the puck off the face off and just kind of like sending it off to Brody, like with a perfect little pass there, like that little play there, it doesn't get you a lot of credit, but it's a great play. And it winds him up with a, with a primary assist again. And, and then, I mean, 
Ilya Mikheyev, he was he was pretty good all night. The, the one thing I did notice though is that fourth line that we've we've all kind of loved all year has was really kind of terrible tonight. I'll be completely honest with you, Spezza well, Simmons, Richie, like and and, that's and, why, and that's why exactly Nick Richie was on the line tonight, and it was really evident. Uh, was it the first goal that they scored? Yeah. It was like Richie losing his man, and it's like. Did the guy learn nothing from sitting up in the press box? Like maybe he needs a, a couple more games to give him a little bit more juice because tonight just didn't have it like I kind of expected he would. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is like those uh, – the other two guys that have been really good this year when they've been in the lineup is Spezza and Simmons. And at the end of the day, they're both older guys. The layoff, they're probably not able to bounce back as quickly. So I, I was kind of expecting them to be a little bit slower tonight, and that's what they seem. They seem just a little slow tonight. And at the end of the day – uh, they're not a line that you're going to be relying on. But I, I would like to see them kind of get back, back to the form they were having a little bit earlier this year. I want to try and find a stat because I, I actually saw the stat and it was like the team's goal for – or um, not goal for, they're just like the shot share discrepancy when Nick Ritchie is on the fourth line compared to when uh, Pierre Engvall is on the fourth line. I want to say – Jonas Siegel had it in his Monday notes column. So I'm just going to quickly try and see if I can find it. But it's like, yeah. So with Richie in 73 and a half minutes, of course, I just randomly lost that stat. Why would you leave me, stat? Uh, where is it? This is really upsetting me now. Okay. With Nick Richie, uh, 52% expected goals through 73 minutes uh, with him on the fourth line. Pierre Engvall. 40 and a half minutes, 75% expected goal rate um, uh, when he's on the fourth line. So just like the discrepancy between what Richie can bring to that line and then what Engvall and his speed and, and what he can kind of bring to that line, bring a little bit of energy and juice is, uh, is, is really interesting here. Yeah, it really is because I think the biggest thing with Nick Richie is uh, he's not fast at all. And the the plan for him was always kind of plant him in front of the net and let the skill guys make plays and he can clean things up around the net. But the only problem with that is his hands aren't fast enough around the net to, to do that. So he's really kind of a guy left without a role on this team. And I think once fully healthy, once everyone's kind of raring to go kick the day, I, I don't think he's one of the 12 best forwards on this team. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so certain he is either. And, and I don't think Sheldon Keefe thinks he is as well. I mean, you look at when they finally had a full roster, he wasn't there. Right, like like they decided to go with Engvall in the fourth line over Nick Ritchie, and he was up in the press box eating popcorn. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, obviously tonight Andre Kasha was out of the game, so they had to fill that body, and Nick Ritchie's the next man up clearly. But this team is better when he's not in the lineup. It, it, it seems like. Um, one other guy who I want to kind of chat about quickly for for a moment, and um, is, is Zach Hyman because tonight was his return to Toronto, I guess. Kind of a bummer, though, that no fans there to serenade him, I guess, when they had the, the tribute video and he just kind of was waving to the camera and just waving to nobody. Like, for someone who put in so much hard work, like, literally blood, sweat, and tears into that building, I thought it was really unfortunate that the fans weren't there to kind of give him the credit he deserved in his first game back in Toronto. Yeah, it really was sad to see him back kind of with no one around it, to give him the love that he deserves because he was a great leaf for a lot for six years. And 
I had a little bittersweet moment of my own this year when I put on my Christmas tree and everything at the top, I have a star. And uh, a few years ago, jokingly, I taped a bunch of faces from the Leafs players on each point of the star and then Austin Matthews in the middle. And, and when I pulled it out, there was Zach Hyman sitting on one of them still. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, damn, like it just broke my heart a little bit. And like, I, I think that's what Zach Hyman was though. He was, he was the star for the Leafs is as much as people don't want to admit it. And even myself, I had a hard time admitting it for a while, but the way he produced, especially in his last two years in the Leafs uniform, like that guy is a perfect example of a guy that just doesn't give up. And at the end of the day, works himself into a, uh, an amazing situation where in his career, he's primarily played with Austin Matthews or Connor David. So you can't really complain about that. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break here, Tony. When we get back, we'll go over our three stars of the game like we do after each and every game. Uh, before we do that, let's hear a word from our show sponsors. All right, welcome back into the Locked on Leafs podcast, uh, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. Once again, I'm the host, Mike DiStefano, uh, and this is just a reminder, this is a daily Maple Leafs podcast, so make sure that you subscribe to the show and uh, make sure you get those podcasts downloaded directly to your phone each and every day. Make us part of your daily listening routine. Uh, today, I'm being joined by Tony Ferrari. Uh, and, Tony, we just witnessed a 4-2 victory, the Maple Leafs over the Edmonton Oilers. And as we do after every game, we're going to go through our three stars of the game. You are the guest. I'll let you go first. Who is your third star? I'm going to give my third star to a guy we haven't talked about yet, and that's Jack Campbell. I think he had a really underrated, solid game, especially in the third period where it was the only period the Leafs were outshot. So I think uh, he had a really good game. He, he just continued to – give the Leafs a chance every single night and he's making the saves when it matters even when he's kind of getting a little bit out of position he finds a way to make a save um he's also helped by Ryan McLeod shooting the puck into his legs when he had the <laughs> open net there but I mean at the end of the day Jack Campbell's been phenomenal all year and, and he was great in this game too yeah at least they, they got quite a few lucky bounces today like those first two goals by Toronto and then I don't know what the heck Ryan McLeod was doing he had a wide open game <laughs> And he was like, no, nah, I'm just going to throw this back into traffic and, you know, try and score on expert level as opposed to wanting to just tap in on rookie mode. But, hey, all the power to you, Ryan. All the power to you. Um, I also had Jack Campbell coming in as my my third star of the game tonight. So, I'm actually I, – I was debating between two players. So, I'm actually going to give it to Austin Matthews instead um, just because you gave it to, to Jack Campbell. But – you know, Austin Matthews, he, realistically, he's, he's, a, he's a star every single night. He could be higher up in the star rankings. Like, he was kind of all over the place tonight. Um, lots of shot attempts and, and really seemed to find himself in favorable positions. Didn't quite beat the goaltender. Actually, beat the goaltender a couple times. Just couldn't beat the iron. Um, but, but for me, Austin Matthews, 60%. Once again, the faceoff draws. Um, got an assist in, in this game. And, and he's just... You know, he's just a guy who's just really starting to be a, a beacon of consistency, and he's played so, so well uh, for Toronto here. So, figured let's give him a little bit of love. Not that he needs it because he gets love basically on every podcast, but he's my third star. Uh, your second star. Uh, my second star, I'm going to go with Ilya Mikheyev. The guy led the team in shots tonight. He, he's a new power play specialist. Who needs Austin Matthews when you have Ilya Mikheyev shooting from wherever in the offensive zone? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And, and 
I had I have Ilya Mikheyev uh, as uh, you know a little bit higher up in my stars of the game. I'll tell you that. Uh, but for my second star, I want I want to give it to the second line. I thought the second line played brilliantly tonight. Like John Tavares, William Nylander, they're out there buzzing. Kerfoot as well. I mean, Kerfoot iced the game with with an empty netter. Kind of an interesting <laughs> empty netter. Not yeah. sure he was trying to necessarily score. It was like he kind of wanted to score, but he was like, I also don't want to ice the puck and just threw it down there. Ended up in the back of the net, which I took the the puck line tonight. So I was so jacked up when Kerfoot scored that goal. Just saying. Uh, but also had a, a huge hustle play earlier in that little sequence there to negate an icing call um, a little bit earlier in the game in the final minute there. But you look at the second line, you look at the, the overall metrics on the night, um, a 60% shot share, 76% expected goals for percentage, just 25% ozone starts. And they spent – a good portion of tonight's game uh, up against Leon Dreisaitl and up against Zach Hyman and stuff. And they were still able to come out with a positive shot share. And, and they were just kind of all over the place. The, the top three for individual expected goals tonight, boom, boom, boom. Nylander, Kerfoot, and John Tavares. So that second line to me was, uh, was fantastic. So I kind of, I couldn't pick one. So I threw them all as, as into a blender and we're saying the second line is the second star of the game. That sounds good. My guy, I think I'm going to go with one of those guys for my first star. And that's the guy, you know, I love giving the star a star to every time I'm on here. And that's William Nylander. <laughs> uh, the, the way he's done, he's played this season, the way he played in this game, He's driving that line. John Tavares is the big money guy on that line, obviously, and he's the captain of this team. But William Nylander is the straw that stirs that drink on the second line. I think you look at some of the stats from tonight and you look at his shot share and everything, and he's atop all the forwards outside of uh, Ilya McCabe and a couple of the other guys. But uh, at the end of the day, he's even higher than guys on his line, John Tavares and Alexander Kerf. But that's because no matter what line he was out there on, he took a couple of late shifts on, on a few different lines. He was out there putting up points, putting up shots, and, and, and doing really well. So William Nylander is my guy tonight, and uh, I, thought, I thought he played a masterful game. Yeah, Nylander now passing Austin Matthews in, in team lead in points. He's got 35. Matthews did get an apple, so he's got 34. But uh, Nylander, man, that guy – Here's a question for you, Tony. Kind of putting you on the spot a little bit. But how much would you say this season has William Nylander closed the gap on Mitch Marner? Uh, I, you know I said last season in the season – yeah, last season, I thought the gap wasn't that big, especially because of Mar- Mitch Marner's power play production. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think both of them, they've really kind of closed the gap this year. I don't think Marner's played necessarily fantastic all year, but I think he's been good. But I, I just think William Nino's taken that next level of going from a guy that it needs John Tavares on his line to going from – to the guy on his line, even with John Tavares. So yeah. it's really impressive to see. And I mean, I look at that contract and everyone that was complaining about it, I'm just kind of smiling and laughing now. <laughs> yeah. It looks pretty good right now. Doesn't it looks pretty good right now. Yeah. Uh, my first star giving it to, to the Cobra Ilya Mikheyev, the man himself scored the game winner on the power play. We, we spoke about his game earlier today, but six shots on goal, a couple of hits. Um, his line also with a, a positive shot share at five on five, 69%. And for a line that's supposed to be a shutdown line, look, they're, they're, they're always, that third line always seems to be trans, uh, transitioning the puck from defense to offense. And, and I like with Ilya Mikheyev and 
at the rate that he's totally okay with shooting the puck. Apparently, I think I saw one of the <laughs> scribes uh, audio starting to filter. At least um, some quotes are starting to filter up from post game. Um, I saw one of the scribes kind of say like, "Hey, like you, six shots on goal. You had he had what eight shots against uh, Ottawa." I think, and his answer was, yeah, "If if I can shoot the puck, I'm going to shoot the puck," which is honestly something that I wish Mitch Marner did a little bit more. Uh, Like, do you think he was told that he'll die a painful death if he shoots the puck? Like at least three times tonight, I thought he had decent looks and he just kind of passed it off and killed the opportunity. Like that three on two that they had, the bunting was way too in tight. Like he should have shot that puck off. And then before he was trying to, you know, feed Matthews in the third period when they, they came in and, I just – the guy doesn't shoot the puck. What Like, shoot, man, shoot. Have one shot on goal tonight. That's it. Yeah, it's really frustrating because I do think Mitch Marner is a guy that, while his shot isn't good, he locates it well. And when he's confident in shooting the puck, he's scoring goals. Like, he, he scored a 30-goal pace last year. He, like, yeah. he was really good last year. So, I think he just needs to find that confidence to shoot more because, like, at the end of the day, like, you become a better playmaker when the goalie has to account for the fact that you're shooting. But there's so many times with Mitch Marner, we see them leave him alone or give him a shooting lane because at the end of the day, they know he's not shooting. So I love Mitch Marner. I think he's a fantastic player. But, man, I think that's that's the big difference between him and Nylander, as we talked about earlier, where they close the gap, is Nylander is a shooter primarily who can make plays, whereas Mitch Marner is a guy that is only so, so good in one area that it's difficult to really have to worry about him in the other area. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take one more quick break here. When we get back, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the World Junior Championships, what you saw with your two eyes in the limited viewings uh, of, of that tournament and of the Maple Leafs prospects. And I also want to get your thoughts on something that was said on Overdrive today, which I think is very interesting and a bold claim that might be true. So I'll get your thoughts on that and more when we return here on the Locked on Lease podcast. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football to basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for. 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, welcome back into the Locked On These podcast. Once again, I'm Mike DiStefano, the host of the program. Be enjoyed by my good pal, Tony Ferrari. And look, Tony, you're a prospect guy through and through. That's quite literally what you're doing uh, for, for a living. And the World Junior Championships were canceled. And it's, it's really unfortunate. I mean, I love the World Juniors. It's one of my favorite tournaments. Like, actually, it is my favorite tournament. I can't even there, – there's no other tournament outside of, I guess, you could call the Stanley Cup playoffs a tournament. My favorite of the year. And, and like, I just absolutely adore it. And it's so unfortunate that uh, we, it kind of got stripped from us this season. Um, what was kind of your uh, first initial thoughts when you got the news and heard that the tournament was going to be canceled? 
I it was a little depressing. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I, I was really looking forward to the tournament this year. Seeing them get it off last year as, as well as they did with the bubble, I had some confidence going into this year. But then as things were kind of coming out in early December about. Yeah, we're upping upping measures and everything. We're like, okay, good. And then what they were upping measures to was much less than a bubble. So it was like, oh, like you guys were really going in with your hands held high and, and your eyes closed going, hopefully nothing happens. But at the end of the day, Hockey Canada, IIHF, didn't really take into account how fast this Omicron virus is spreading in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic. And at, at the end of the day, a lot of kids are, are out of being at their – a lot of kids are out of that opportunity of represent their country because let's be honest, not every kid that plays the world juniors gets a chance at the world championships or at the Olympic games and everything. So sometimes the the world juniors is the last time that you get to throw on that team Canada, team USA, team Sweden, Jersey, or whoever, whichever country you're representing. So especially for these 2002 born kids, unless they bring the tournament back in the summer, which they have discussed, it, I, I don't know, man. Like it, it really sucks for those kids because now they've lost out on their world under 18s. They've lost out on their world under 20s, which is the world juniors. And at the end of the day, they may never get another chance to throw on that that national jersey. Yeah, it's 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 gonna suck. It, it really is. And I thought it was really interesting, though, that uh, some reports are coming out how a couple of the Canadian kids and I'm sure the Americans will look to do the same. Potentially some other. Um, countries but so far I've only heard the Canadian reports based on the fact that I we live in Canada but hearing that Owen Power and Mason McTavish uh, potentially could end up playing for Team Canada at the Olympics what are your thoughts on that I'm a big fan of it because I was hearing right before the World Juniors that they were going to get consideration as soon as basically the Canadian Olympic team was announced that it wasn't going to be NHLers there there was whispers about McTavish Power Perfetti Kent Johnson guys like that getting a shot so it's going to be interesting to see how many of these guys get on there because I know right now they're kind of in this weird spot where Owen Power is probably going to make the team and the, the, those guys are good. The college guys are good. But any of these guys like Jack Quinn, Peyton Krebs, uh, Cole Perfetti even, who are on NHL deals that are with the AHL clubs, even though they're with the AHL clubs, they're on NHL deals, whereas Mason McTavish is a little bit of a different scenario because they've loaned him back to the OHL. So he's able to go, whereas those other guys – they're technically NHL players, and if NHL players aren't going to the Olympics, they may not be allowed. So it's going to be interesting to see with Cole Perfetti, Jack Quinn, Peyton Krebs, and guys like that. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of really fun names on this list. I think Josh Hosang would be a really fun player to see represent Canada. And it's going to be fun because this is going to be a young team probably, and there's going to be a lot of names that were like, oh, yeah, remember that guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Hosang's oh, funny because he's he signed to an AHL deal um so that would make him eligible right so and and yep. and i wonder if that's kind of been the the reasoning why he you know hasn't signed an nhl deal yet i mean there, there was times here where toronto could have used a josh hosang if they wanted to bring him up and i i wonder if he wanted to kind of hold out just in case they they went to the olympics i mean I suppose to go against my point here, they didn't really know up until a few weeks ago that NHLers weren't going, but um, I, I think it'd be a great experience and a great opportunity for him uh, to be able to go out and do that. I think that'd be awesome. Um, but back to, back to kind of the world junior championships, uh, the Maple Leafs did have three guys who were at the tournament, uh, Topi Niemela, uh, Roni Irvinen, and Matthew, Matthew Nyes. Why don't you go through these three players and kind of explain to me what you gleaned from the limited viewings of these guys at the tournament? 
All right, well, I'll start with Team USA where the impression that where he was picked was about a good spot for him and a good value for him. Maybe a little high, but at the end of the day, I thought it was a pretty reasonable pick. And he's done nothing but impress this year so far. He's a power forward who has some really nice hands, a guy that can kind of finish in tighter or a little bit from distance as well. And we saw him score a goal at the World Juniors, and we saw him play really well for the USA in the one game they played before they found COVID issues shutting down their games, which ultimately led to the cancellation. But at the end of the day, Matthew Nyes was a really good player for, for Team USA. And I think he's a guy that if the tournament did get to play, and, and who knows, maybe we do get that tournament in the summer. Uh, if, if he does come back, he could be one of those important goal scorers for that team because they don't have a guy this year. There's no Trevor Zegers. There's no Cole Caulfield. There's no Jack Hughes. So they're gonna, really going to be scoring by committee on that Team USA, and Matthew Nyes could be a really key piece to that. And, and as for the two Finns, I think Topi Niemela came into this tournament after winning uh, defenseman of the tournament last year, looking to kind of just improve on that stock. And at the end of the day, the, thing, the big thing with him this year was you were seeing the defensive side of his game really take a step. And you were seeing – Quick rush, can't really defend in zone to a guy that was cutting off lanes and anticipating play and, and really getting in on the the, uh, the back check, knowing that he's not necessarily going to be a physical presence. So he has to outskill guys along the walls. He has to outmaneuver guys. He has to be a starter player. And he was showing that he was that on so many occasions this year. So although he only had the one point in the two games for the Finns this year, which was a little bit under the pace that he set last year, he was still a better player this year than I thought he was last year. And uh, while he probably wouldn't have won defenseman of the tournament again, because at the end of the day, you need offensive numbers to do that. And a guy like Owen Power was putting up big ones uh, so far and Simon Edmondson as well for Sweden. But Topi Niemela is going to be an NHL defense. Next. He signed an extension in, uh, in Finland, but that extension is, is allowing him to come over Tra- uh, come to training camp, do what he's got to do, try to make the Leafs. And the only way he goes back is if they try to send Finland for the equivalent and, and be a perfectly fine reason. But he's going to be able to come over and, and challenge for, for a job if he wants next in the summer. So I think he's going to be really fun to watch there. And and then for Ronnie Hervinen, he, he was in a, a big spot for the Finns because Aturatu, the New York Islanders draft pick from last year, uh, wasn't able to come to the tournament because he got COVID right before for the tournament so that he was filling in the top six as a center a really important player for them a guy that kind of plays a really smart two-way game and he showed that at this tournament he, he was he's not necessarily going to be a huge scorer but you, you picture him in the nhl as a real shutdown third line center who can kind of do a bit of everything and, and match up against the other team's best players and he was doing that for the Finns at this tournament and man does he ever play a professional game i, I really admire the way this kid plays so I, i'm excited to see what he can do in a couple years and as he makes his way over to north america as well and at the end of the day, I think you look at the least prospects of the World Juniors, and, and although it was a short, short tournament and only a game or two for all these guys, short, short samples, and they've all had really good seasons over, or, or the two Finns have had really good seasons over season. Matthews Nyes has a really good season over here in the States. So, what I'm taken from this is that uh leaf fans the prospect cupboard isn't barren it's not completely dull like some people think it is there's some pretty good no. prospects despite not having uh a whole ton of picks 
uh, for the Maple Leafs over the last little bit. They've been able to hit on the second and third round picks despite trading away their first. Uh, all right, Tony, I think we're actually running out of time here. Um, I, I want a yes or no question, actually. Yes or no answer from this. This was brought up today on Overdrive from Jamie McLennan, and it was after Kale McCarr's unreal goal last night. Um, and he says that he believes that we'll be discussing Kale McCarr as a top five player in the NHL very soon. Do you co-sign or no-sign that statement, Tony? Co-sign it because I'm discussing that now. I genuinely believe he's one of the top 10 players in the NHL now. And if you want to discuss him as a top five guy, I could see it. Wow. Already. The kid's like 22, 23 years old, and he's already considered a top five player as a defenseman in a league that has a guy named Victor Hedman, who is just possibly the most all-around, well-rounded defenseman I think I've ever seen in my lifetime besides, that's not named Nicholas Lidstrom. Yeah. Pretty much. It's, it's incredible to see this kid play. Like the, the, I think the big thing with him is he has a dynamism. We haven't seen in a defenseman in a long time. And, and we've seen Eric Carlson. We've seen Roman Yossi. We've seen these guys. And, and the way Kale McCarr is able to skate and maneuver the ice, it's just unreal. And then he has the offensive tools to, to put up points and, and do everything he can. His defensive game has been improving the last couple of years. Where this kid's going to be in three years, like I'm really scared to, to see those teams in the Central play against him. Yeah, should be uh, should be a lot of fun watching Makar as he goes through his NHL career. Still another 15 or so years to go, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, one more quick note that uh, came down during the game today, actually. Uh, we have another schedule change. The New Jersey Devils game against Toronto on January 17th was supposed to be in Toronto. And, of course, we know about the issues going on with the – uh, you know, no fans in the building. So that game has been postponed, which means there's only one home game remaining in January. That's January 26th against Anaheim. And unless they lift restrictions by then, which is entirely possible, it's it's roughly three weeks away. I think actually it might be three weeks exactly, um, which is the date where they're supposed to lift some restrictions. It, that game may go on, but I wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't. Uh, all right, Tony, really appreciate you joining me today. A uh, lot of fun. Always enjoy chatting. We'll have to have you on way more often than we did uh, here in 2022 than we did in, in kind of the first half of the season. Yeah, of course. Anytime, Mike. You always enjoy joining you, buddy. Uh, that's a new for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs. And follow Tony at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter. And Tony, you got anything that you're working on you want to plug here? Uh, I'll be having a, my monthly draft team of the month where I just kind of go over five guys on a random theme. This month's theme is just guys who are playing pro hockey in their draft year. So it's a lot of European content, but it's a fun one. But uh, I kind of had to scramble because originally I was going to do an all world juniors team, but uh, that didn't happen. So I couldn't do that. But uh, I'm always putting up stuff on the hockey news. So check that out. If the draft was today, are you taking Matt Bay Mitchkov or Connor Bedard in 2023? <laughs> Because there's an asterisk on Mitchkov with his contract, I have to go with Bedard. All right. But, I, but, I, but if all things were even and Mitchkov didn't have his contract, I'd be going with Mitchkov. Those two, let me tell you, it was just a couple of games, but they impressed. 
they certainly impressed me at the World Junior Championships. One of the biggest reasons why I'm upset it got canceled was so I couldn't watch those two 16-year-olds put up ungodly numbers for that age at that tournament. Uh, All right, Tony, really appreciate you joining me um, once again. And I'll be back with another episode for y'all tomorrow, folks. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.